Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs, if you're not sure quite where that is, go to the middle of your Bible, Psalms, go just to the right. That's Proverbs. You definitely want to have your Bible and something to write with. So if you need to borrow your wife's mascara or something like that, something to to make some notes uh, in in your Bible. Uh, While you're looking for that, decisions. How many of you are walking through any kind of decision right now? All right. Here's the deal. 99% of us are in the midst of some kind of decision. The 1% that doesn't think they are just doesn't know it yet. We constantly are thinking about decisions. You know, when you think about when you're young, what sport am I going to play? What girl or guy do I like? What college am I going to go to? What is my major going to be? Who am I going to date? Do I like them enough to marry them? If I marry them, should we have kids? How many kids should we have? If we have teenagers, should we let them live? right? Things like that. What job should I take? What house should we buy? Should we buy another house? Should I buy this car? Should I save for retirement? Do we need life insurance? All of these things, decisions, decisions, decisions. And again, most of us are in the midst of some type of decision. And when you think about the Proverbs, Proverbs is a book about how to be wise. It's very practical sayings about how life generally works. Again, it's not promises, it's proverb. So you have the the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, who is king, putting together this, this book of wise sayings about how life generally works, primarily for his son, but we have it uh, today for our benefit so that we can be wise and ultimately so that we can make wise decisions. Now this morning, that's what I want to share with you. I want to share with you how you can make wise decisions. And again, this is not me. This is not Matt's way to make wise decisions. This is what the Bible says. Matt's, Matt's stuff doesn't matter. Uh, it, it doesn't impact your life, but the Bible does. We always want to be about God's Word. So let me just give you kind of a, a general definition of wisdom so we can make sure that we're on uh, the same page. Wisdom is not what you know, it's how you live right? Information is your IQ. And lots of us know people who have a very high IQ and they can't tie their shoes. Just because you know things doesn't mean you actually apply it to your life. Wisdom is the things that you learn in life and then making application for your life. Now, uh, I'm not good at specifics. So what I mean by that is numbers, names, Bible references, people think because I'm the pastor that they can just, you know, randomly spout out any verse in the Bible and I know where it is. They're like, you know, over in Habakkuk chapter two. And I'm like, you got to be a little bit more specific than that. Like I've probably read it, but I'm not, I, I know that generally it's in this book. And sometimes because I've had the same Bible for years and years, I even know where it is on the page, but I'm not sure what verse it is. I'm horrible at phone numbers. My, my sons have had the same phone number for six, seven years. They're in my favorites. I still don't know what their phone number is uh, to this day. I, I'm bad with numbers. So when it comes to like Bible verses, you know, this verse, I really wanna make sure I remember this. I, I'm bad at that. So I want to help you. I wanna give you a help that has helped me. So if you're going through a decision and you want to, to go to God's word for wisdom on how to make a decision, I wanna share with you the wisdom trail. 
So here's all you have to remember is this, Proverbs. Okay, let's say it together. One more time, Proverbs. That's all you have to do. So if you have your Bibles or your device, just go to the very first page of Proverbs. All you have to remember is if I have a decision in life and I want godly wisdom, I go to Proverbs. Now, in your Bible, probably like my Bible, it says Proverbs kind of big and bold. And then there's usually some white space around it. So you have Proverbs right next to that, right next to it, making wise decisions. And then underneath that, just write three, five through seven. So all you have to remember is Proverbs. I don't remember anything else. I'm going to go to Proverbs, making wise decisions, three, five through seven. So three, five through seven is obviously Proverbs chapter three, verses five through seven. So turn over there after you've written that and let's see what it says. I'm just going to kind of lead you on the wisdom trail this morning and then we'll look at these verses. Proverbs three, five through seven, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So most of us are familiar with at least Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. That's what we want. If we're making a decision, we want our past to be straight. We want to be wise. He, he starts in verse 7 where we started this, this series. We need to fear the Lord. If you want to guarantee that God is out front leading you in your decisions, you know what you have to do? You have to follow, right? It's just practical. If God's in front, if he's leading, I'm always behind. So, so I'm going to trust in him. So Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, at the end of verse 7, just write, 12, 15, 12, 15. So turn over to chapter 12, verse 15. It says the way of a fool, that's not positive, is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Have you ever known anybody that just will not listen to advice? You you know somebody, don't look at them right now, don't point if they're next to you, around you. You're like, well, they're over there. They're sitting over there they're going on a mission trip, something like that, right? My kid just doesn't listen. My husband just doesn't listen. I have some, some friends, some family members, whatever is the wise thing to do, whatever advice you give to them, it's almost as if on purpose, they will do the opposite, right? You're like, this is, this is great advice. Just listen to this advice. Multiple people are telling them it's almost out of stubborn. They're just like, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm going to do the exact opposite because I'm going to do my own thing. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So after verse 15, just write down 14, 12, 14, 12, right? This is a, a pathway that we're on right here. 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Right? How many of you want to go down a path towards death right now? Probably none of us, right? That's not the one that all of us are raising our hands on. We don't want that. Well, what is Proverbs saying? There is a way that man thinks apart from God that leads to death. What does John 10, 10 say? Jesus said, I've come that you may have what? Life. 
right? That, that is the path that God wants to lead us on through his son, Jesus Christ. But when we trust in ourselves, when we follow the wisdom of man, it is a path that leads to death. So after 14, 12, after verse 12 there, write down 15, 22, right? And if you're staying with me here, you don't have to remember a lot. All you have to do is remember Proverbs and then you just follow your ink, all right? Chapter 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. What is this saying? When, when, you, when you make decisions independent of anyone's advice around you, many times your plans fail. I, I'm old enough that I've had to make multiple decisions that had some significance. And, and I can testify that this verse is true. I'm a control freak. I like to kind of take charge and just make the decision. But when I don't bring in counsel, there's been several times that my decisions have been poor decisions. If I would have brought people in, a wiser decision would have been made. I'll give you a great example. When, when I was pastor in my first church, church was growing. We, we needed some additional space. We wanted to build some buildings and uh, make some space for additional people. So we'd gone through the process of developing that and architects and had the plans, even had done uh, a capital campaign to raise money and had all the commitments in. And this was in 2008. How many of you remember 2008? 2008, what happened? The economy went to pot. So, so we're right in the middle of all this. Things are going really well. And literally in a matter of weeks, it was just like, what in the world just happened? So we have this big capital campaign, all of these buildings, this money that we're going to raise. The economy has just gone downhill. I'm pastoring my first church. And I remember getting some, some of our older men together, some, some wise men, some businessmen in the church, godly men. Let's just pray. What do we need to do? Well, obviously, what was their counsel? Hey, you know what? We don't need all this. Let, let's bring it in a little bit. Let's just do the things that we can pay cash for and, and we won't put ourselves in a bad situation, right? So, so bringing in counsel brought wisdom into that scenario. So after 1522, write down 19, two through three. 19, two through three. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. Whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. What, what is this verse about? It's about rushing into things. Have you ever walked into the store or maybe, you know, even more significant, like a car dealership? And you're like, that's it. That's the one I want. I, I, want, I want that one. And, and you're just like, what does it take? What do I need to do? I want that one. That is my dream vehicle. And what happens? You're, you're sitting in there, maybe waiting on the, the salesman to get everything together. And now you're sitting there kind of thinking, you're like, I don't know about this. <laughs> when I first saw it, I was really excited. Or, or maybe you've had buyer's remorse. You jumped into something, you made a decision. And then you're like, I shouldn't have done that. That was foolish. I just jumped in. What does this say? It says that, that without knowledge, it's not good. Whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, what? His heart rages against God. So what do we do? We have buyer's remorse. What do we say? God, why'd you let me do this? Why did you let me make this dumb decision, God? And God's like, you didn't really include me in this. You were hasty, you, you jumped in quick, you made a decision, you messed up. Don't come back on me. <laughs> Include me on the front end, not the back end. 
And then write down 19, 20 through 21. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans of the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So, so you kind of hear this on repeat. Listen, listen, listen to instruction that you might gain wisdom. We make all of our plans. But the writer of Proverbs, Solomon said, it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In other words, God's sovereign plan is always going to come to fruition. So I can make my plans and they may or may or not, may or may not come to fruition. But if my plans align with God's plans, they're always going to be correct. That's what he's saying there. And at the end of verse 21, right, 21, 30 through 31. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So when you talk about worldly wisdom and worldly counsel, the ways of the world, they can get together, they can make all of their plans. But ultimately, God's plans are going to prevail. So if I have to align with the world or align with God's wisdom, which way do we want to go? We want to go with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is always going to be victorious. So that, that's the little wisdom trail. That's just for free. All you have to do is remember Proverbs and you can just walk through that. But I want to take those verses that we just read and just share with you three practical questions to ask so that you can make godly decisions. Three practical questions to ask so that you can make godly decisions decisions. Here's the first one. Write this down. This is the most important one. What does God's word say? I have a decision to make. The first place I'm going to go is to God's word. What does God's word say? Now there's a great story in the Old Testament and if you've spent much time in the Old Testament, there's a lot of stories. If you like stories, that might be where you want to kind of park out for a little while, read these stories. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, you can write this down, you can come back and you can read it later. 1 Samuel's towards the front uh, of the Old Testament, left of where you are in Proverbs. But in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we see this story and, and kind of the chief characters here are Nathan who is a prophet. You have the Amalekites who are a group of people who inhabit the promised land that God has given to the children of Israel. You have a king named Agag, and then you have King Saul. So let me give you a little background here. Saul is king. Uh, when, when, when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and remember they, they went through the wilderness and Moses died. Now Joshua's in charge and, and they go into the promised land and they conquer the promised land and they have the promised land here. And, and, and you have this, this situation where you have these people, the Amalekites, that God remembers that when the children of Israel were coming out of, out of, out of Egypt, you're talking about two million people. You're not talking about a caravan of a few thousand. You're talking about two million people. And at the end of the caravan is typically the women, the children, the older people, and the sick. And what was happening is the Amalekites were attacking the children of Israel, basically the back of the caravan. And so this is like a time where justice is going to be had. And so you have Saul, who is the king of Israel, and God, through the prophet Nathan, goes to Saul and he says, listen, I want you to conquer the Amalekites. I don't don't just want you to win. 
I want you to wipe them out. Like nothing left, no buddy left, no cattle, no livestock, nothing. Wipe out the Amalekites. And Saul says, okay. So Saul takes his army, they go into battle. They win the battle decisively, but they begin to look around. They're like, man, the Amalekites have a lot of cows and a lot of healthy looking livestock. It would be foolish to kill all of them. So what we'll do is we'll take some of the best and we'll offer a sacrifice to God, thankful that he has delivered the Amalekites into our hands. And then they capture Agog, who is the king of the Amalekites. So they bring him to Saul. He's kind of like a trophy. So Saul's feeling good. We, we, we conquered the Amalekites. We're making a sacrifice to God. And we have their king as kind of a trophy. And so Nathan shows back up. And he says, what did God tell you to do? And Saul says, well, he told us to conquer the Amalekites. Is that all he told you to do? Well, I mean, yeah, basically. Well, here's the deal, Saul. Because you disobeyed the word of the Lord, you're no longer gonna be king. And Saul's like, what? Like, that seems a little drastic. I pretty much did everything that God told me to do. Have you ever had that conversation with God? (laughs) I pretty much did everything you told me to do. And Saul's kind of defensive. Nathan says, listen, it doesn't matter. In verse 22, he says, to obey is better than to sacrifice. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Saul's going, listen, I I sacrificed some of the best livestock and cattle to God. And Nathan's like, listen, obedience is more significant than sacrifice. Well, I go to church on Sundays. No, no, obedience is better And just go into church. Do what God's word says. Verse 23 says, because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. Partial obedience, listen, is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. When when we take a little bit of, well, you know, this part, I'm I'm gonna listen to this part, but my circumstances are different. I'm not gonna completely follow God's word. Partial obedience is still disobedience. When God's word speaks clearly on a matter, you're done. So if you're making a big decision and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go to God's word. What does God's word say? And if it speaks clearly on a matter, let's just use this example. Let's say uh, your workplace, you've worked there for years and they don't appreciate you and they don't compensate you maybe fairly. And and there's a way that you can kind of maybe, you know, skim off the top a little bit. And in your mind, you've justified, well, this is kind of making things fair, right? They, they don't respect me. They don't honor me. They don't appreciate me. They don't pay me like they should. This isn't going to hurt anybody. This kind of balances everything out. And, and really, I deserve this. So you go to God's word. God's word. God, should I steal from my company? <laughs> well, let's see what it says. Thou shalt not steal. Yeah, but you don't know my circumstances. I mean, they disrespect me. They don't value me. What does it say? You shall not steal. So when God's word speaks clearly on a matter, you're done. You don't have to go any further. There doesn't have to be a a step number two. Here's the decision. God's word speaks clearly to this matter. I'm done. See, when we come to the word of God, we have to take it as just that, 
the word of God. If God showed up, if you were facing a big decision, you're like, God, I'm trying to make a wise decision here. What should I do? If God's spirit showed up in the room with you and said, this is what you should do. How many of you are going to do it? You're going to be like, oh my gosh, God told me I'm going to do this. That's what God's word is. So when God's word speaks clearly on something, you're, you're done. You don't have to go any further. When it's clear, it doesn't matter. Also how you feel. God's not changing or bending his word because you don't like it or because you think your circumstances are special. Isn't that what we want sometimes? God, but you don't understand. This is how I feel or my circumstances, are, doesn't matter. God's not gonna bend his word, the truth of his word based on your circumstances or your feelings. God's word is clear. So when you're praying about a decision and God's word is clear on it, you're done. <laughs> you don't have to go any further. But if God's word isn't clear, like it doesn't just say thou shalt not or thou shalt, well, what's the next step? The next question to ask is what do godly people say? I'm gonna go to God's word. Didn't get specific clarity there. So I'm gonna go to godly people. I'm gonna ask for their advice. In 1 Kings chapter 12, again, uh, another great story in the Old Testament. Jeroboam is Solomon's son. So you have the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, and his son who might be the dumbest man who ever lived. I think probably Solomon put, put uh, the Proverbs together because he already knew. <laughs> He's like, oh, Jeroboam, I'm gonna have to put together a book for him. He's not gonna make it, that poor guy. So he's king, first day that he is king. First day. The people come to him, the representatives of all the children of Israel, they come to him, they say, Jeroboam, your father Solomon was a harsh king. He was heavy on us. Basically, will you lighten up a little bit? We would really appreciate it if you would lighten up a little bit. And so Jeroboam says, well, give me three days to consider your request and I'll get back to you. Okay, well, there's wisdom in that. He's not rushing quickly into a decision. Give me three days. Let me seek counsel and, and I'll get back with you. So what does he do? Jeroboam goes to some of the older wise men who had walked with his father Solomon. He lays out this scenario. They share with him, you know what? Your, your, your father was harsh. You're a new king. If you do relent just a little bit, the people will probably think positively about that. And that will be good for you as a, as a new king. And then Solomon, I mean, then Jeroboam goes to his buddies that he went to junior high with. And half of them work for him now. Hey, what do you think I need to do? Oh, you need to, you need to come down on them hard. Right? You, need to, you need to set the example right now that if they think your father is harsh, <laughs> wait till they get a load of you. And, and, and so we, we read in 1 Kings chapter 12, it says he abandoned the counsel of the old men or the old men gave to him and took counsel with the young man who he had grown up with and who stood before him. In three days, Jeroboam lost the kingdom. Three days, how'd you like that? You're king by third day, you've lost the kingdom. Why? Because he didn't listen to counsel. If you received an inheritance of $50 million, what are you gonna do? You're like, buy a Porsche. No, not that. You're gonna find the, the wisest financial planners and tax attorneys that you can find. Like, I don't wanna have to pay more taxes than I need to on this. I wanna make sure I invest this and I take good care of this money. Or you can be foolish like most of the people that win the lottery that end up bankrupt. If you have a car that you love and it's not functioning correctly and you love this car, this is like your baby, you're gonna find the best mechanic 
that you can find. You're going to seek their wisdom. If you've been diagnosed with a disease that could be terminal, what are you going to do? You're going to seek out the best doctors, the wisest doctors that there are. So why is it when we face big life decisions that we don't seek out godly people for wisdom on choices? Now I realize, and I can only speak to guys in this, like we feel like we have to give in our man card if we seek advice, right? It's like asking for directions. I'm not asking for directions. That's why we're thankful for like ways and stuff we don't have to ask anymore. We just type in in our phone, we get to still feel like a man. But, but we don't like to ask for advice. And if you think about this, if you're going to, to seek godly wisdom, listen to what they have to say. We're like, well, but I ask people. When I have a decision to make, I ask people. Here's who we ask most of the time. People like us. Our friends. People who are going to tell us what we want to hear because people who are like me and like me tend to agree with me. It's called an echo chamber. You're just going to give me back what I want to hear. Is that really wisdom? Three dumb people giving advice is what? (laughs) Dumb advice. I'm going to seek people who have my best interest. And and here's just, this is Matt, but, but I would give you this advice. And I think we see this here in Proverbs with Jeroboam. Don't always just go ask your buddies. Seek out some people. That, that's, that's one of the beauties of being a part of a church and a body. There might be some wise, maybe older people, and maybe you're not even close to them, but you respect them and their walk with Christ. And you're just like, hey, can I grab coffee with you, man? I just really, I just really want to seek some wisdom on something. But because they're not your buddy and because they're not just like you, they're not worried about hurting your feelings. They're going to give you an honest evaluation. Godly counsel cares more about truth than your feelings. Your friends care more about your relationship than the truth. So first thing, what does God's word say? If I don't have clarity on that, I'm going to seek counsel from from godly people, godly wisdom. Third, what does God's spirit say? This is prayer. God, I'm praying about this decision. I want wisdom on this decision. God, speak to me about this decision. In Joshua chapter 9, we read about Joshua. Joshua has taken over for Moses. Moses has died. Joshua has brought the children of Israel into the promised land. He's conquering the promised land. Uh, He's just uh, totally wiped out Jericho. You remember that story maybe from when you're growing up? You know, he marched around Jericho and the walls came tumbling down, all of that stuff. And, And so there's this group of people, and I love the names of all these people, the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites live in the area of the promised land that God has given to the children of Israel. So basically what is happening is Joshua is just kind of coming through with their army and just wiping everybody out. This is our land that God's given us and we're wiping everybody out. So the Gibeonites are like, it's only a matter of time until he gets us. So here's our plan. Let's take the dingiest looking camels that we have. Let's take the oldest wineskins, like they're all dried out and cracked and, and just kind of dirty ourselves up and don't shave and, and go to Joshua and let's try to make a covenant with him. And so what they do is they go to Joshua and Joshua's like, who are these scraggly people? 
And they're like, well, we're the Gibeonites, and we've come from a long, 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 long way away. When we left, we had shaven. When we left, our wineskins were new and our camels were fat. But we've come all this way to make a covenant with you that you will not destroy us, and we promise to serve you. What does Joshua do? Sounds good. Okay, let's do it. Here's a covenant. Before God and man, we will not destroy you. So they go away. Well, what happens? Children of Israel literally like march over the next mountain and come down. There's the Gibeonites. They don't live a long way away. They were over the next hill. And Joshua's like, oh, you know, I, I just made this foolish, foolish decision. And the Gibeonites are like, hey, covenant, you can't destroy us. You promised before God and man that you wouldn't destroy us. And what it says in scripture about this is they did not, in verse 14, they did not ask counsel from the Lord. Has there ever been a decision you're like, we don't need to bother God with that. This isn't that big a deal. I, I got this one. They didn't seek counsel from the Lord. They thought it was no big deal. And it went against everything that God told them. He, he told them to take the promised land, to destroy all the people. But they had a covenant before God. They did not seek counsel from the Lord. So when you're faced with a decision, do you go to God's work? Do you seek godly wisdom from godly people? And do you pray about, God, what is your spirit telling me to do? Now, here's what I find when people talk about, well, I've been praying about it. And this is what I believe God has told me to do. They, they pull out the God card, right? God told me. And like, there's not much you can say then. It's like, God told me. But here's what you need to understand. If you're praying for godly wisdom, God's spirit, one, will never contradict God's word. So if you're like, well, I feel like God told me, but God's word is very clear. God's spirit never contradicts God's word. So if someone brings out the God card says, God told me, well, that contradicts God's word. That is not from God. So that's the first thing. Secondly, God's, God's spirit will never direct you or tell you to disobey what God's word says or that whatever God's word says doesn't apply to you. So give me an example. Um, relationships. We have to be careful when it comes to relationships and we're praying for wisdom from God's word because what happens is we're already emotionally involved and we already have a decision we want God's spirit to make and it's what we want. So you're praying about, hey, should I, should I date this person or should I stay with this person? And I potentially, I think I'm in love with them. I think I wanna marry them. Well, what does God's word says, say? Do not be unequally yoked. That means a Christian should not marry a non-Christian. That is one of those places in scripture where it is clear. Christian, do not marry non-Christian. Well, but I've been praying about it. And I feel like, I feel like God has told me that if I'll marry them and date them, then you know, I'll be able to lead them to Jesus. You ever heard that one? Maybe experienced it? God's spirit will never direct you in any direction to contradict what God's word says, nor does he bend his truth for your feelings. Or you thinking that this doesn't apply to you. We, we tend to ignore, again, God's spirit on matters, especially in relationships, because we're emotionally invested. 
So first thing I'm going to do, I have a big decision. I'm going to go to God's word. Is God's word clear on this? If it is, I'm done. If God's word isn't clear on this, I'm going to seek godly counsel. Not my best friends. Godly counsel. And then I'm going to pray, God, what is your spirit telling me? Now, there are times, and I've experienced this in my own life, when I have multiple good options. This has happened to me in, in, in job situations, church situations, where, where I feel like God is, is maybe moving me. This happened years ago. God's moving me. And there's multiple churches going, hey, we'd like to talk with you about coming to be our pastor. And you're looking at all the scenarios. You're like, well, this is a great church, and this is a great church, and this is a great church. And we could do great ministry here. We could do great ministry here. We could do great ministry here. We would love to live in any of these places. We could be happy. We could be used by God. And, and so, you know, go to God's word. Well, there's no direct answer there. Godly wisdom. I, I'm talking to all these different godly people and they have great things to say about all these situations and circumstances. And honestly, when I'm praying, I'm not getting any clear direction. So, so here, here are the four things that I add to the first three questions, okay? Understand, write in your notes, this is Matt Serber. Not the Bible. I think it's based on the Bible, but this is Matt Serber. This is when I have multiple good options and no clear direction. Number one, how is this going to affect me in five to 10 years? I have multiple good options, but how, how is each one going to affect me in five to 10 years? That might give me a little bit of clarity on which direction to go. The second thing, can I live with the worst case scenario? If I choose A over B, multiple good options, and A doesn't work out like I think it's supposed to, can I live with the worst case scenario? Maybe you have a, a job options and, and here's three different options and they're all good, but A is a startup company and the potential is huge, but it also could not even be open in a year from now. Can you live with the worst case scenario? Thirdly, what am I gonna regret not doing the most? Man, I had this opportunity and you know what? I just didn't take it. And you're a year down the road, two years, and you're like, man, I wish I would have done this and then lastly and here's the key lastly what do I want to do the most isn't it funny don't we usually start there before God's word before godly wisdom before prayer we just jump right in what do I want to do I want to do this that's the very last thing the big three and then the four that Matt added and the last one of those is what do I want to do the most now these are big decisions some people freak out about God's will. I want to know God's will. And the reason we're so concerned about God's will is we don't, want to, we don't want to live with any kind of pain, right? We think if I'm in God's will, it's always good. Bible doesn't say that, but, but that's why we're so concerned about God's will. These are big decisions. If you're buying a truck, let's say you're buying a truck and you're like, man, I like the blue truck. I like the gray truck too. I don't really know what truck. God, what does your word say about which truck? What do godly people say? I'm praying about it. I'm going through this list. I'm not getting any clarity. I get down to number four. What do I want to do the most? You know what? I really like the blue truck. <laughs> Buy the blue truck. It is not that big of a deal. The bigger questions are, can you afford the truck? Do you still have margin in your life to do all the things that God has called you to do? Right? Is it a wise decision? But if it comes down to blue or gray, get the blue one if you like it. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. When it finally gets down to what do I want to do the most? So here's the question that I want you to ask today as we talk about wisdom and decisions. 
Ask this question, God, what is your wisdom and plan for my life? God, what is your wisdom and plan for my life? Whatever decision you might be walking through, however small it may be, can I just tell you, you have a heavenly father who loves you and is concerned about that situation that you're like, I don't even want to bother you. Like Joshua, I don't even need to bother God with this. He's like, no, 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 come to me. You're, you're my child. I care. I want to hear about it. God, what is your wisdom and plan for my life? Now let's go back to what God's word says. In First Timothy chapter 2, God's word says that he desires all to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So very clearly in, in God's word, what is God's, what is God's desire for you that you would be saved? That you would come to knowledge of his truth. So, so here's the question. You want to make a, a wise decision. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your savior? If you were to die today, do you know that you would spend eternity with God in heaven? You're like, I don't really know. I'm trying to be a good person. That's why I'm here at church. I'm trying to be religious. I'm trying to do good things. No, no, no. The Bible says that we can know. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, it says we can be saved. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning, if not, in just a minute, we're gonna have a time of response. We're gonna have some of our pastors in the back. They would love to take God's word and share with you how you can know Jesus Christ. Brothers of us here this morning, you're facing some kind of decision. Maybe it's a major life altering decision. Maybe it's where to eat lunch tomorrow, but we all have decisions that we're walking through. But when it comes to those big decisions in life, are we going to be wise? Are we going to go to God's word? Are we going to seek godly counsel? Are we going to pray for God's spirit to give us direction? Or are we just going to go for it, man, and just see what happens? I can tell you from my own experience, the second option doesn't usually work out well. I would rather seek the God of the universe that created and sustains everything for his wisdom Versus making my own choice. So God, what is your wisdom and your plan for my life? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that, that you didn't just put us down here on this earth and just go, okay, go after it. <laughs> Lord, you gave us your word and, and, and God, it, it is the very words of God. And so there's so much in your word that speaks specifically to everyday decisions that we face. We just don't go to your word to see what it says. And then you put people around us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have wisdom and experience that, that we can go to and seek counsel. That's, again, the beauty of the church is that we have brothers and sisters. We're not all in this by ourselves. And then for those who are in Christ Jesus, you gave us your Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living inside of us that we can go to. God, what, what is your will for my life? in this area. So Father, my prayer for my life is today that every decision that I have, that Father, I would seek your wisdom. And my prayer for each person here is that every decision that we have, that we would seek your wisdom. So Father, thank you again for loving us. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with us all across the room as we come into this time we call our response time. Maybe you're here this morning and you have questions. How, how can I have a relationship with Jesus? I, I wasn't sure about some of the things that you were talking about. In the back are some prayer banners. And, and we're going to have some folks, some of our ministers, some of our elders back there. They would love to take God's word and share with you how you can know Jesus Christ. Maybe you just want someone to pray with you. You're like, you know what? You're talking about decisions. I have some big ones right now. I'd, I'd like for someone to pray with me. They'd love to have an opportunity to pray with you this morning about whatever it is you might be walking through. Maybe you're, you're here this morning and, and you know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and, and just the singing and the, the praying and the giving and all, like all of these things. You're like, God, I just, I thank you for who you are and how you work in my life, that I can even be here corporately worshiping you. And so we're gonna sing and maybe your response is, I just wanna sing. I just wanna tell God how much I love him. Maybe your response and part of your worship this morning is you wanna participate in the Lord's Supper or communion. We, we have tables down here and, and up on the sides. The Lord's Supper is a, a, a remembrance, a reflection. It is us thinking about the gospel, what Jesus Christ did for us, the sacrifice that he made on the cross. So it's for the believer. And we invite you to the Lord's table this morning. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you don't wanna have a conversation with anybody. We'd love to get in contact with you. You can also just text response to 21,000. One of our pastors will reach out to you this week. Maybe it's a prayer request. Maybe it's some wisdom that you need. Maybe you have questions about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We would love to reach you through that mean, those means as well. So however God's spirit speaks to your heart this morning, I wanna encourage you to respond. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that your word says that you're here among us. So Father God, speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Amen. At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.